Listener Production. Shares, Market. the S&P, the ISX stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that, well, has had a rather challenging week. I'm Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. He is... What's his name again? I know he's the founder and manager of Strawman. I know it's a private online investment club. <laughs> Here but, we go. Um, <laughs> but, but who... Um, oh, uh, Alan, Alfred... Uh, uh, help me out, help me out. It's, it's Andrew Page. Andrew Page, Good to meet you. How are you, mate? Good, good. I'm, I'm glad you could find time between your uh, busy comedy uh, schedule. <laughs> Do you like it? The, the tour. Yes. So, so I, can, I, can I say, I take no credit nor blame for this one. I was encouraged by our listeners to uh, to try that joke, to just switch things up a little bit. I say joke in inverted commas because, frankly, it should be. But you know me. A dad joke is a dad joke and it's a dad joke and that's that's a win. Uh, Do it well. I know. We'll see what we happen next week. We may change it back. Can you believe we actually had some people who said they liked our joke? Well, my joke. You, you can't extrapolate. I think four people <laughs> say something and you ignore the 210 who go, please stop. But they didn't. That's the thing. No one actually said, thank goodness you stopped. So I'm taking that as a win. Oh, that was just in my email. We, we, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I know that they don't wear their breads buttered. Yeah. We'll, bring, we'll bring that back maybe or maybe not next week. Mate, um, I said it's been a challenging week. We are sitting in your lounge room right now. Uh <laughs> For reasons that actually aren't necessarily directly related to what's happening to you this week, but is a nice little exclamation point to the story. Mm. Uh, you've you've moved house. Yes. I, let me let me just make this multimedia a little bit for our listeners. They can jump on. I, I tell them every week. Go to go to Twitter. Look up a sage underscore Simeon. That's Andrew's Twitter handle. Just look at the photos while you hear Andrew's tale of woe, mate. Mm. Um, how's your week been? Mate, uh, yeah, so I don't want to I, – I could take up the entire podcast telling you the story and I would leave out so much. Um, oh, so I laugh, but I'll, I know it's not funny. Go yeah, on. look, the short, the short version is, as I think I've already said on the pod, we've had to move. Yeah. Uh, time was running out. Uh, we found a place that was okay, a little bit dirty. The floors needed repairing, but it, it ticked a few boxes. Right. Um, we thought, fine, um, we're going to be kicked out in 12 months anyway. So what, what's the <laughs> oh, point, right? Man. We'll just, yeah. this, this will do us for now. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we picked up the keys on this Monday and I mean, you know, you've already directed people to, to the shots and a picture <laughs> really is worth a, a thousand oh, words. It really is in this case. But um, do, the, do, the, the, the theatre of the mind for our listeners, mate, what, what, what are they going to say? If, they, if they're not on Twitter, if they won't go there or they may be in the car. What's up? What did you share this week? So the analogy I've been using is that remember trying to put contact on your school books when you're a kid. <laughs> I do. Except now try doing it in the dark with one hand after drinking a <laughs> bottle of tequila. <laughs> and whatever whatever oh, result you had, oh, I would no. wager is a better result than, than how this person has put down a new floor. When I say new floor, listeners, don't think of a lovely polished wooden number or... I'm talking some, not even lino, like no. literally contact that's been yeah. stretched over an old floor. And so when, when oh, they sort of man. said it'll be fixed, uh, well, I don't know, I get, call me fussy, mate. <laughs> but I was, I was after like a, a slightly better, at least something I wouldn't have to trip over, you know, when I... What, what do you want, a floor that doesn't have bubbles in it at all? I guess so. Or yeah. not ripped or... Or, you know... Um, you can close the door. Fly screens, uh, <laughs> an oven, hot water, you know, oh, things, right. basic things like that. I've got standards, my friend. I've got <laughs> you standards. You do, you do. And they're not, well, I was going to say they're not that high. I mean, they're generally speaking, but also generally speaking. Oh. It's, uh, so you have, you have graciously given me a tour of your place and I can, yeah. I can happily tell this. Is please do check out those photos. The, the whole property thing, mate, I, like we've talked about this once or twice. Our listeners know you have a view on property. I sure do. What is, I don't, I can't even quite square this circle. Mm. I, I don't know what to, how to solve this one. On one hand, it, this is 
awful, atrocious. Mm. On the other hand, there's a shortage of supply. You got the place you could get for the price you could have yep. pay, and there's a, it's a competitive market. So if you didn't get it, someone else would have got it for the same price. Sure, Th- these things. There's no easy. Uh, pressure relief valve. No. I don't, I don't, or is there? I mean, what, what, am, what am I missing? No, there's no, you're right. There's no easy answer. It's a structural problem. This has right. been a problem that's been in the making for decades is, is what it is. And there, there is no easy solution, but I think there's a range of small uh, changes that could push it overall in the right direction. Right. You know, the pendulum can swing too far either side. I feel at the moment, at this point, the pendulum is way too much in favour of the landlord. I think those photos would demonstrate that's probably true, yeah. You know, because again, just going through the process now, the it is very hard to sort of stand up for your rights. Really difficult yeah. and involves in getting lawyers. And it's just, I mean, it's it's an absolute nightmare for something that should be pretty straightforward. And I, I said to you before, the, the tenant-landlord relationship mm. should be a thing of beauty. Yeah. The whole point, I would wager, at least historically, of having an investment property yeah. is so that you generate some yield. You would, that would make sense. Someone, I want. You know what I want? I want someone who's going to look after the property yes. and pay their bloody rent on time. That would seem like a good starting point. Beyond that, fill your boots. You know, do what you like. Yeah. I yeah. don't care. Don't live, bother live the neighbours. Pay the rent. Exactly. Yeah. Pay the rent. Yeah. Look after the place. That yeah. and 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 in return, I want shelter and security and you know, basic. I, I call it a human. Fundamental human rights, yeah, you know th- yeah. those, those kinds yeah. of things. Um, but it's it's just it's just it's just so so. I think there's a few uh, changes that that could be made there. Right. The, I mean, if you really want to get to the basics of it, it's you know your high school economics will tell you it's supply versus demand. Yes. And there is just not enough supply that's out there, and that 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 needs to be changed through a whole mm-hmm. bunch of policy issues and and the rest of it. So. I also want to just make it clear too, because just from some of the responses on on Twitter, it's not as though I mean, you know, I don't want to dox myself, but we're we're like an hour's you know train and bus ride away from the city. It's right, not right. we're not super close. Half an hour if I was right at the station right now, yeah, type, okay. type thing. Uh, I couldn't even get good phone reception to, to when we were trying to coordinate <laughs> this. That's give you a sense that's oh, yeah that's there and, and yeah. So. Um, it's uh, my look. It's you'll be surprised to hear this, mate. It's not all about me. <laughs> I do like to oh, have a good on. whinge. I come do. On. I do no definitely like that. to have a good whinge. But it's like so many of society's yeah. ills. You, unless you experience it firsthand, you don't. You're not really aware of the yeah. problem. Yeah. And the rental crisis has been getting a bit of airing lately. But just to experience it again for the seventh time in, in uh, almost eleven years, Jeez. you you see how tough it is. And I, mate, I I do not know what the single mother does. Yeah. You know, yeah. or the, the family has got 500 bucks in savings. We're covering bonds in two separate places. Mm-hmm. We're paying t- rent at two different um, uh, locations in the, in the week-long overlap. There's a break fee that's potentially involved because we have to leave. A li- By the way, we got evicted, but because we're leaving before the end of the, oh, the of end course. day, you're still liable for a break fee. Right, so they say to you, you're going to have to get out by the 31st of March, yep. and you're like, well, if that's going to happen, I guess I need to find a place sooner rather than later yep. so that I have somewhere to go when it ends. Yep. You have to either leave on that day, so find, secure. And by the way, <laughs> most of the places you get knocked back from because there's 100 people at the door looking yeah. for it. So you've got, unless yep. you time it for that day, there's going to be a week. And this is why we... We compromised on a whole range of issues because you know people say, "Well, why didn't you just keep looking?" So, there's nothing out there, right? You've got to take what what you can. And living in the car while you keep looking is not exactly a solution, right? Oh, but it pretty much, honestly, it's not. We're not far off that. Yeah. I mean, we'd yeah. we'd, we'd be okay. But it's, my my point is is that what does what uh, what does the person do who's not mm. able to conjure thousands of dollars out of thin air? Yep. 
and and cover the moving expenses and then to go th- not only just go through that but then have a whole bunch of safety and health issues at the other end and have to fight for it we're, we're the ones treated as the nuisance here yeah. and the whole, that's the yeah. diabolical thing with it you know and so the agent that shortest us of these things and I, you can take that to the bank <laughs> when an agent when a real estate agent speaks it is the God's gospel. Is, yeah, correct. You know, you're, you're not going to get- Immutable truth. You're not going to get anything more <laughs> of a greater ins- assurance than that. But, oh, mate, oh, anyway, nice. I've lost my point. It's just, it's just, it's really, it's really, really tough out there. It is brutal. It, it, it's a problem that it, it's sort of becoming more apparent, but it's been there for a long time. And yeah. we just need to increase the availability of, of places. Mm. That's, I think that's the ultimate- so, and, and that's going to even if you started now, that's going to take ages to fix. But in the meantime, make sure that that uh, people have a dignity of of shelter. You, you don't expect that should, people. That shouldn't to, be I'm, controversial, by the way. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not saying oh, you should offer us a lower rent. You yeah, know, I'm an yeah, investor. If yeah. you've got a property, charge as much as you can. Is the market will bear? Would yeah. be the the, the <laughs> capitalist refrain. And there, yes. you know, I, I actually agree with that. But but. Understand that unlike when you buy a bond, unlike when you buy a share, <laughs> yeah. there is a family here, yeah. you know? So it's just you, you've it's just fulfill your end of the bargain. Make sure that the house is of a basic reasonable standard and then get out of the way, right? Mm-hmm. I think one of the actually one of the big things for me would be no calls evictions. Because yeah, that's right. been the source of our problems being turfed out anytime someone wants to do it. And you've got you've got no recourse to yeah, do it. Okay. Yeah. So if you want to sell your property, sell it with a tenant in it. That's what happens mm-hmm. in most most countries, yeah. right? Uh, if you need to increase the rent or index it to inflation, absolutely do all of that. But you can't change your mind at a whim, kick someone Time out, yeah. and 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 because there 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 are real world implications. And the, and I think as an inve- is because the, the property has been financialized. Mm-hmm. And I just think we need to keep that basic premise in mind that it's shelter for families and an important part. The, one in three people in Australia, one in three households, I should say, rent. Yeah, so yeah, this absolutely. isn't some fringe part of society. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. This is a very significant minority of, of society. So just put some protections in place and then have at it. Charge what rent you can. Be the best landlord you can. Build the biggest property portfolio that you can. But you're not there to screw people over and cause great financial harm and emotional toil. Again, that shouldn't be controversial, right? <laughs> I feel as though I'm just... <laughs> that's just pretty reasonable to me. No, it's not, not a lot to ask. Oh, man. All right. Hey, um, as much as I know you'd love to do Sorry, that, the rest that, of Believe it or not, that was the short no, version. No, no, I, and I asked you, don't apologize completely. Uh, you know, I think it's, it, it's, it's a story. It's always interesting. Um, but to the extent it is actually emblematic of what's going on, I think it's a really important topic. That's we talk the problem. About, so. yeah. Mate, let's, let's move on to, speaking of staying macro for a little bit, speaking of interest rates, we had GDP and CPI both out this week. Acronym Soup Day did on we? Wednesday, we did. <laughs> completely, this week, I've, come, I've completely missed everything. <laughs> this has been so, Andrew Wiggins. So the war in Ukraine could have been won as far as I know. I have no idea. It yeah. hasn't, the best analogy. Oh, so, that's uh, a shame. Tell, well, me, tell me about these numbers. Well, let's, so let's start with... <sighs> This is, I've said this before, mate, and it's, it's a kind of – need to stop saying at one level and the other level it's worth repeating because it was worth repeating. We're through the looking glass, right? This yeah. is – for the first time I can remember in a very long time and probably, frankly, since the 90s recession, good news is bad and bad news is good. So the best – you know, the, the best news was that the economy wasn't as strong as people thought it would be. Woo! Which, exactly, right? <laughs> Which you kind of go, tell me why they're getting this. The reason that's good news because the RBA wanted to slow things down. They actually wanted the economy – to, to slow down so they can take a bit of heat out of the inflationary story. 
That seems to have happened. Yeah. So growth in the last quarter was plus zero point five percent. Okay. Now annualize that, you get two percent. Yeah. Now it was two point seven was the actual annual number because you kind of you add a quarter, drop a quarter. You know, as you kind of cycle okay. through this thing. Yep. Uh, but yeah, zero point five, much less than economists were expecting. Uh-huh. So that's a thing. That's not that's not terrible though. I mean, what could no, you? What not, would you expect? Like, I mean, these things are never smooth. Yes. But if if you were to sort of say a developed country like ours. Yep. Through the cycle average, what, 2 or 3% growth? Yeah, 3 Productivity, kind of plus a bit of population yeah, growth type yeah. thing. 3 is kind of considered the optimumish level. Right. You do much better than that and you end up with a situation where you overheat the economy and we'll get back to that. Yep. You go much less than that. You don't, you know, you don't give people the opportunity they, they want. So, yep. yeah, look, it's not a bad number yep. at all. Uh, it, it, just not as, not as strong as... We're, if, we, we're, if we'd uh, been coming out of it, if we just had this conversation three years ago with no inflation, you'd yep. say, all right, we need to do something just to trick that number up a little yep. bit. So, you know, it's, it's less than you'd want. Normally, yeah, really good at this circumstance. CPI inflation. This is the monthly number, not the annual number. The, uh, the sorry, the quarterly number. So the, the usual quarterly CPI, the quarterly inflation. So on the Bureau of Statistics, I've been using for years, and the RBA focus on. As of I think it was May or June last year. I think that's right. It might have been earlier. They started releasing this monthly number. So to have more frequent data, the last monthly number we saw was eight point four percent. Extraordinary. Wow. This time seven. Point four percent, and again, one of those situations where you're going, "That's terrible." Yeah. Except right now we're like, "Oh, that's good." Yes. Yeah. yeah. Everything good is bad. Everything bad is good. Uh, Inflation that is literally one dollar and fourteen is actually a really good result right now because it's much less than it was, and and I think there is hope. Uh, Treasurer Chalmers was on the TV and the radio saying he thinks inflation has peaked. Uh, I don't think we know that. I think we all hope that's true, but inflation seems to have peaked. It does seem to point to a cooling. Economy. It seems to point to something that maybe is improving. Let me throw you a third stat, and then I'll get your thoughts in general. The third thing was the national savings rate for the last quarter, the last month, I think it's the last quarter, is now the lowest in 14 years. Ooh, that's that cost of living, living pressure I've right. heard so much about. So, <laughs> is that your favorite phrase? I, love, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking the, forward to the next variation of the exact same thing. I wonder what it'll be. Yeah, good idea. <laughs> Um, what do we see? Pain of pain of wallet or something? Or? <laughs> oh, there you go. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Um, so yeah, it, it it kind of feels like this is the this is the pointy bit. I, I got to say, in terms of just kind of if if we look back and say, yeah, we tipped over some sort of point in December twenty twenty two, Jan twenty twenty three. Yeah, I wouldn't be even slightly surprised because that's really yeah. what it feels like. Yeah. Um, I, I'm apologies to the listeners if they heard that alarm. <laughs> Going off, so the power has just come back on on the street, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So uh, apologies for that. So, um, uh, what do I think of all of that? Um, while well, you while well, you gather your thoughts, I will say uh, this is the we we, we don't get this done in one take. This is the third go we've had at this one. We 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 started at our respective houses on on the internet. Uh, on Zoom, as we normally do, we record out the, the audio files locally, a bit of a peek behind the curtain, but we chat over Zoom. Yep. Uh, the By the way, it took me ages to set up the <laughs> internet and computer. I was like, got to get it done before I speak to Scott. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so dropped out early in the chat. They came back and we grew for about 20 minutes and dropped out again. Yeah. And we thought, oh, we'll get that fixed. And he was like, I don't know what happened. And he came back, called me and said, uh, so it turns out the power's off in the street. Like, All right, fair enough. Let's talk on the phone and record locally. That should work. And we tried that. <laughs> And the mobile reception here is not not, not, not great. It's <laughs> not great. You dropped that about three times the first three minutes of recording. Yeah. So 
Uh, that's hence, hence why. And look, it's always yeah. good to see you, mate. So I'm, I'm, I'm yes, glad I made the, yeah, glad I made good the to trip. see you in the flesh. But we end yeah. up, we end up in the same spot, which is, which is good. Yeah. Uh, so all, all that just to explain why this is a very disrupted prep. Yes. But back to, back to inflation, back to GDP, back to household savings. Yes. What does that tell you? What do you think we are? What, what does it mean? I think it, I think it kind of fits the general narrative that a lot of people have been saying for a while. I mean. Inflation is this very big term, right? It tries to cover everything. It's a single thing that tries to cover all prices in an economy. And, you know, it's it's always going to be a horribly limited approach because of that. Arbitrary average of an arbitrary basket of goods. Absolutely. And so there were very definite causal links there with, Mm. again, what happened with Ukraine, right? It's the big exporter of wheat. There was through the energy markets into turmoil. Everything in our modern society is based on oil. Not, you know, if not in the manufacture, then at least in the transport or yeah. the energy required to sort of run it. That, that kind of thing. So that was that was sort of what kicked it off. The real question is whether there's something more structural mm. underneath that. Mm. And so there's one side that will say, well, <laughs> the amount of Australian dollars in existence is some insane number mm. higher than it mm. once was. Maybe maybe that's having an impact. And it's not just in financial land. There was a lot of assistance given to people throughout the pandemic. So that, that's money that gets yeah. spent yeah, correct. in the real economy on Main Street as opposed to sort of Wall Street, as, as they say. Mm. So I think that's that you've got two sort of forces on inflation. I tend to be of the camp that one, I mean, it should ease. I mean, by the way, the level it got to is insanely high, highest we've mm. had for decades, what, since the 70s or something like that? I think it might have got close-ish very briefly during the early 90s recession or okay. the early 90s recession. So 30 and then years. Back, and, but then back until the 70s before that. So we're talking about yep. once every couple of decades at most. Like this is really, really, really unusual. Mate, exactly. It's the kind of thing that three or four years later, a quarter of your purchasing power has been gone. It's massive, yeah. Yeah. absolutely yeah. massive. Yeah. Um, so I, I, yeah, I think it has peaked where I've, and I know I've said this before, I feel as though it's, the, the days of two to three percent are probably going to be a ways off. Mm-hmm. The other, the other part where the sort of the data fits the narrative is that, I mean, we've had China lockdown, we've had all kinds of other issues that have gone on. Everyone's been saying that the the uh, especially in the US, which sort of drives the global economy, there's likely to be a recession there. Yep. People are now running out of some of that stimulus money, so they're having to draw down on their savings. So it all it all kind of fits. Um, the question, of course, that, that everyone wants to know is, well, what does it, what does it mean for interest rates? I think, and this is where your comment, good news is, bad news is good news. Yes, yes. Because uh, if it's looking like it's having an effect, Mr. Lowe might be a little bit more gun shy in, in pulling the trigger. That's, that's the supposition. Um, what, but go, have, have a guess. Well, we'll know by Tuesday. Does he, does he go next week or does he say? I think he sh- should go. Okay. Despite the good news? Yeah, quote, unquote, good news. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The good is bad news, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, this, this is what's so diabolically hard about it. You're driving by looking in the rear vision yes, mirror. Yes, exactly. You know, um, and everyone's an armchair expert and we'll all know exactly what, what should happen. But yeah. um, I, I would just make the point that as, as much as these rates feel really aggressive and rapid, and they, they have been, mm. historically, we're still at levels that, You'd, start, you'd call it neutral at best, you know, before. It's, it's sort of like you, you, with an economy that is still growing and unemployment that's really low, when, when do you start normalizing from emergency yeah. rates is my point. Yeah, totally. If you wait for the perfect time, you never do it. And then you, you still have risks there. So I think they probably should. Sorry, sorry for everyone who's in lots of debt <laughs> just yeah. to say that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I feel, and I think that's the consensus view as, as, as I understand it. It is. 
I think, I think it's I think it's most likely. Let's go to to Westpac though. You may or may not have seen this during the week. Um, Westpac's Bill Evans, their chief economist, is now saying he expects three rate rises between now and May. Now we can do the maths easily because that's March, April, and May. How about that? So three in a row, yep. quarter of a point each month. University yes. education. I know how about that. Yeah, oh, I'll tell you what. <laughs> oh, can, I, can I count on my fingers or not? Actually, literally, did as I was doing it to you then. Uh, <laughs> fine, speaking behind the curtains. But then they're expecting seven rate cuts yeah. in 2024. Yeah. Now, it's wild. Right? So you kind of go, hang on. Well, firstly, that could be entirely wrong. So let's not, let's not assume it's fact. Sure. Let's assume no. it's, a, it's a best guess. But on top of that, you've got. If that was to be true, effectively what it would mean is in 18-ish, what, 20, 21 months' time, rates could be one full percentage point lower yeah. than they are now. Yeah. So not even, not, not even going to go up and give some of that increase back. Yeah. Now, it's already gone up a lot, don't get me wrong, so I'm not saying we're going back to 2% levels, but yeah. the RBA's, or sorry, the Westpac's view is this time next year, maybe back to where we mm-hmm. roughly are now, mm-hmm. by the end of next year, they're expecting we're below, well below. Where we are now, so, so it's so that wild. So before, again, the good news is bad. Bad news, right? Is good. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Before anyone gets too excited yes. about that, the, the I didn't read what what he wrote, but uh, presumably the the expectation for such big and prolonged rate cuts would be that the economy is going to stuff up. Right, Something's exactly. going to go wrong. Yeah, exactly. Careful what you wish for. Careful yeah, exactly. what careful what you wish for. Yep. Uh, wow, that's that is that is quite remarkable. I'm, I've, I've, I've said that on the pod before. I actually, I actually think that they won't be able to go as high as as they uh, mm. might initially, or well, certainly were capable of yeah. previously. Yeah. Um, and that they just they have to they have to because every you're going to just wipe mm. out this mountain of household yes, debt. Exactly. Is what's going to happen? People are just going to go to the walls. So exactly. Yeah. They it's, will. Um, yeah. It, 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 yeah. Faster. And it, but it also talks to then the so what's right. Mm. So. Um, quick, oh, yeah, I'll give this away. Uh, a month or two ago at Motley Fool Share Advisor, we recommended Goodman Group. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the property, well, I was going to say property REIT, but it's not quite a REIT. I'll get to that in a okay. second. Um, and I hate REITs. Not because not, not they're bad businesses or bad investments, just because they, they're not likely to give you market bidding returns for reasons that we can go into, yeah. but effectively not yeah. great. They do okay. Right. They're going to grow roughly at the, the rate of rental, right? So if, mm-hmm. you, if you buy it at book value, which is the asset value of the property, yeah. if you buy a property, you get the rental return. We just started talking about that. Yep. Um, commercial property in particular, you're not going to get these stag investment, residential investment property profits, even if they will exist in the future, they probably won't. Yep. Uh, so it's the yield you get. Now, if the yield's 4 5 6 7%, that's the maximum return you get. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. But when the market's going to grow at 10% a year, you're kind of already starting behind. So you're yep. doing really, really, really well to keep up, let alone do better than the yep. market. Anyway, so just to add on yeah, to that, so, sometimes you see much better results because of the asset revaluations. Correct. There's no cash flow associated with that. The, Correct. Someone said no, the property's <laughs> worth, worth more. more. And that's not an improper thing to do, Correct. by the way. But yeah, there is there is real cash returns and there are accounting returns. But that's exactly why we actually so Goodman also it's about eighty percent fund manager, twenty percent REIT. Yes. So it's yep. considered a REIT. Real estate investment trust, by the way, yep. property owner. Yep. But largely, it actually manages other property trusts on behalf of other investors. Yep. Goodman's got about twenty percent of its own money, eighty percent of everyone else's money. Yes. So it kind of clips the ticket as a fund manager yep. and has a little bit of that kind of okay backside REIT yep. exposure, which is you know fine. Anyway, yep. the so we talked about doing this. So do we do it? What if rates keep going up? Mm. Then that'll hurt property values. Like, yep. Yeah, it will. But then if you if we think and Westpac, we didn't do this because of Westpac's forecast to be yeah. very clear. But if Westpac's right. Rates will be lower in 18 months' time than they are now. Mm-hmm. In which case, anyone who's looking at these things in the short term and saying, but rates are going to go up, it's like, yeah, and then they're probably going to come back down. And so, yeah. the, as always, just another reason why the long-term approach yeah. really, really matters. But it also matters, I think, to your point, economically, because if rates are cut so severely, 
It may just be because the RBA is trying to get neutral quickly, possibly. Right. But also, as you suggest, probably because by the time you've done another three rate rises and we've just talked about the savings ratio yep. and we've talked about a slowing economy, yep. the RBA has got to be really, really careful here. It's, you're yep. trying to coast to a slow crawl without stalling the car. right? Yeah. Now, for, for kids listening, stalling the car was a thing when there were manual cars. <laughs> Ask your mum and dad. Just trust me, it used to be a thing. Um, but you know that, that, that's exactly what they're trying to do. And they, yeah. they've acknowledged as much, but it's, it's just a really, really difficult time. Yep. And the fact they would have to or consider or want to cut up to seven times yeah. is exactly a sign of, yeah. we know this is hurting, we know this is causing problems, we feel like we need to do it, but then yeah. we can't do it, for, we can only afford to do it for as long as absolutely necessary. Yeah. And as soon as we pass that point, then we should try and get rates down as quickly as we can. I wonder if the RBA is of a similar view to Bill Evans at Westpac, because if that, say. <laughs> if that was the, if that was the, I mean, you would, yeah. people listening to this would go, well, if that's the expectation, stop raising. If, if you're raising yes, right, right, seven right. consecutive rate cuts, would suggest overreach. And holy crap, we need to yeah, we yeah. need to pivot back the other direction. If, if if that's the worry, you just don't raise it in the first place. Right? <laughs> well, except you've got to try. And this is this is why they're going to do it because they have will have a view that it's about breaking the back of this inflationary stuff that you can't do just by letting it solve itself, or yeah. the, the the pain of letting it solve itself will take too long. Yep. And we've got and this. This is why it's so hard, right? Because we're yeah. we're dealing with a number of instances which number in the teens mm. right the, the number of economic cycles in the modern in the modern world yeah we must have had in australia since since central banking started i'm gonna guess seven recessions maybe mm. maybe mm. 11 yeah. or 12 i don't know yeah um under 20 right no, and, not a and, huge most, sample. and most of those are yeah. probably reasonably correlated with the rest of the world so yeah. not only is that many, so you got you know kind of yeah. a dozen maybe call it 17 for fun major global examples where you can pick individual circumstances and say oh this always works this way and so therefore yep. And then think, <coughs> think about how the economy's changed over that 100-odd years and then try and work it backwards and say, so what do we do? Mm. It's a really, really tough thing to do. So they, they have a view that if they, if they don't do enough, inflation will remain elevated for too long. That destroys long, ongoing living standards, potentially creates more inflation rather than less. So, you, yeah. you know, it, it's, the counterfactual is incredibly hard to know. What will happen if we do nothing? Yeah. I mean, you know, my, my my limited economic history, I did a bit at uni, mm. the recessions were more frequent and deeper before central banking because there was no mechanism to stop the excesses in both directions. Yeah. So we seem to have had fewer, less severe cycles, longer cycles. Yep. I think there was something like three recessions in 15 years or something in Australia in the very late 1800s. Okay. Just a stupid whipsawing backwards and forwards, yeah. backwards and forwards. Which is almost pointless to compare to the modern economy anyway, well, that's, and that's right? That's the problem. Like, that's yeah. why it's so hard. So yeah. you, you can't really know what's cause and what's effect. You yeah. can't know what's correlation and causation. Yeah. All I can do is say, we think if we don't do something about inflation, yeah. it'll become a bigger problem than if we do something. Yeah. We'll do as much as we can to break the back of it because we want to stop the momentum yeah. of inflation Hopefully that's stopping the momentum of the economy. It's really, really tough. Well, here's my, I know I'm going to repeat myself again. Yeah, here's my problem with that rationale is that if your tool to beat inflation is increasing the cost of borrowing, it supposes mm. that the cause of that inflation has been too much spending, mm. too much money, too much spending. If we increase the cost of capital, the cost of money, mm. that will stop people spending. Yes. And, and that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Yep. But out of the other side of the mouth, all the commentators are saying, but no, no, there's been mm. supply-led issues. I was like, well, why are we trying to fix a supply problem with <laughs> yeah, a demand right. solution? So there's, there's yeah, that. Yeah. And, and the, other, the other thing I would say is as horrible as it is when it happens, but prices changing 
are really important. It's a, mm. money is a global coordination mechanism. <laughs> so, so put it this way: you've got you've got ten umbrellas in your shop, yep. and all of a sudden it pours rain, and a hundred people rock up wanting one. What yep. do you do as a as a capitalist? You put your prices up, correct? And what does that do to everyone else who doesn't have umbrellas in their stores? Oh man, I need to get some umbrellas in my mm. store. Mm. And there's a supply side response, and prices come back down. Yep. That's the that that's that works. is the yeah. beauty of capitalism that yep. you don't have a central council of elders mm. directing mm. The, you what you have is you have prices signaling to consumers and producers what the market um, demands at this point in time. Mm. So there are structural issues which can't, but, but when there's just normal, you know, there's a great year for, for wheat growers, yeah. you know, yeah. lots of extra wheat, again, supply and demand. What does mm -hmm. that mean? Mm -hmm. You get cheap wheat that year. Your, bread's, your bread and flour is on, are much more uh, <laughs> yeah, affordable. Right. But that's when right. it goes, when there's a drought, it goes up. And again, that's normal. That isn't something I would argue principally don't get in the way of that, right? And we've seen in terms of global commodity prices what has happened after the – well, after. It's still going, of course. But yeah. that was that huge run up in wheat and oil in particular when that invasion first happened. And now that, is, that has come back out. That is, that, is, that is played out largely already. So it's kind of like, A, that should have happened. It's not unpleasant as it is. That's what you would expect. And B, that's largely played out. So to my mind – it's sort of like there is something else at play here and it's it's not the fault of people being necessarily too aggressive um, with their spending, but just, I don't call it as it is, more, more money chasing the same amount of goods. Yeah, that's right. I think I think the, and again, we probably have a slight disagreement as the, the impact and what it, go, what it goes from here, but yep. the ABA's view would be that despite that. Despite that. Yeah. And I think, I, I actually agree with them on this one. I think it's the second order inflation they're trying to stop yeah right so when the imported wheat prices become someone else's bread prices that that person's bread prices become someone else's whatever it, it, it's, yes. it's that flow on through yeah. the economy that when it feeds on itself someone's is, spending is someone else's income right and then, but it's also that and, they're, they're spending and then they, yeah. it's not just someone one else's like margin and yeah correct, over and over, over again yeah yep. where i think the where i think it's really worth dipping into is the what, what the RBA talks about have been inflationary expectations Right. So if we expect, and this is, this is where it's tough. No, I agree to, with you, what you're going to say here. Yeah. We'll get to yeah. business in a second, but in the short term, if you expect prices to be higher, you're going to pay higher prices. Yeah. And if businesses expect that you're going to pay higher prices, they're going to put their price up because they already know you're ready to pay higher yep. prices. Yeah. And so there's that idea of once you accept inflation, it becomes its own monster. Endemic it's, it's, a, it's, a self, yeah, yeah. it's a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. One, one quick, just as an aside, mate, new, new bit of controversy this week too. Um, again, I'm not sure if you saw this, the, the business profits numbers came out. So the RBA released some stats, I think it was yeah. Tuesday, and company profits are up 10% and wages are up 2%. Yeah. And everyone, the usual suspects, and I'm going to be a little bit critical here, the usual suspects said, aha, see, businesses are causing inflation. Mm -hmm. It's all about businesses. And, and I want to say the usual suspects, I'm talking about the usual suspects. So the left-leaning amongst the lobby groups and commentators, also a decent minority of journos kind of mm -hmm. jumped on this particular bandwagon. And I tweeted during the week, if you're following, by the way, if, you jump, if you're looking into his photos on Twitter, uh, jump on at TMF Scott P. That's my, my Twitter handle. Um, the previous, so that was the last quarter was business profits up 10. Uh, it was 10.6, I think. Wages up 2.6. Right? Mm. So big diff, big DLC. Businesses are driving it. This is the problem. It's businesses, not consumers. Yep. Not, it's not wage earners. Yeah. Uh, it's those greedy bastards in business, right? The previous quarter, business profits minus 12.6%. Well, wages were plus two. Right. And funnily enough, I didn't see those people say, oh, those poor businesses, they're, they're losing money. Or isn't it great how those businesses are dropping prices to make sure that inflation isn't a problem? Yeah. And it's just one of those really, you know, and look, neither is right. And by the way, in a year's time, we might absolutely see a direct 
correlation or even causal link between profits and, and I'm not saying it can't be, it can't happen or it's not yeah. an issue or yeah. we shouldn't think about it. Those things are absolutely true. It was just that like one data point that just happened to suit their ideology. And of course it was like, literally it was like the, the starter's gun. Oh, it's like, oh, I, I, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. And mm. it's all that kind of stuff. And it's just, if you get some preconception, if you're starting with a position of, I, I think it's going to be this. Yeah. When it's not that you ignore it, when it is that you go, see, I told you it was. And when they're literally, those two data points, three months apart, business lost 12.6% gross profit a quarter mm. ago. This time they're gaining 10.6. Yeah. You can't just say, therefore, business are profiteering, therefore, that's, it just doesn't work that way. Mate, it's not, it's not just bad reporting. It's the, the solutions tend to be, we need someone to come in and manage all of this kind of stuff. We, yeah. get, it comes from a yeah. good place, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. And, and I am the first who is against anyone charging egregious rates or, or um, what's the word for it? Profiteering. Profiteering from a privileged position. Yes, yes. Um, so I think I think that's definitely something we, we need to. But when when companies have a good year, mm-hmm. then that's again. Let's look at the machine that we're operating in here. Yeah, right. If if you run, you open up your lemonade stand and you just kill it. <laughs> you make a fifty percent margin. Yep, yep. You can't make them fast enough, right? Yep. And that year you made incredible profits, and mm-hmm. you could you could put your prices up, and people loved Philips lemonade so much that they kept on doing it. Yep. But again, I see that. I get into the market, I'm happy to take a slightly lower margin, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, roll the clock a little bit forward and consumers are getting a great deal because now mm-hmm. there's a lemonade stand on every corner of all <laughs> operating at like, you know, 2% margin above cost. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's how it works. Exactly. So exactly. I guess I, I hear your point and I, and I agree with it, but I also say the solutions that are being offered take us very much towards a, 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 a centrally planned economy. Right. And open a history book and see how that is that has worked out. Now, again, yep. let's be clear because I am very much against corporate greed and mm-hmm. excess and all of that yep. stuff. What we do need to do from a political standpoint is to make sure that the playing field is always fair. We want to encourage competition. We want to Correct. reduce Correct. barriers to entry. Correct. That th- those are, if you have that in place the problem will absolutely fix itself. If someone's able, if Woolies is able to charge 20% more on their groceries Mm -hmm. and people are going to keep paying it, there is an argument to say, in fact, maybe you should increase it more. Yeah. Keep going, right? And and rather than coming and saying, no, 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 we legislate that you can only make a 6% profit, which is, by Mm -hmm. the way, that is their their net profit margin. It's about 6%. People love to quote in billions of dollars and the rest (laughs) of it. But it's more about, well, let's let other competitors come in. And guess what? Aldi has probably been the biggest friend to the household (laughs) budget in a lot of ways, actually. You know, if it wasn't for them, we'd have the duopoly largely. There was some other players back in the day, but largely a duopoly. And they would be charging higher profits without Costco, without Aldi and that. Mm -hmm. And so... Again, proof in proof uh, in front of you. That's what we need to do. Yep. So, yep. also by the way, we saw Scott's refrigerated logistics go broke during the week. Yeah, major supply to the supermarkets. Yes. So I, I mean, this is a massive tangent, but but competition policy wise, yep. we look, we have we have too many duopolies in Australia. There is not enough competition in groceries. Yep. At one point, um, we were working together. I think it must, it must have been six seven years ago. Woolies had the highest net margin percentage terms of any supermarket in the world. Oh, yes, yes. Now you ask yourself, if we have a country that's much smaller- Smarter, most, smarter entrepreneurs, mate. So possibly. Uh, we, have, we have a smaller population than most. We have a larger geographic dispersion of people than most. That sounds costly. Doesn't it? Yeah. You wouldn't think you could maximize profits doing that. You wouldn't think, you, you'd think you'd be, if you're, if you're running in, in Germany with, with you know, 
I don't know how many tens of million people in a really small space and all the zoom are really close together. Uh, you get lots of scale benefits. That seems like a really great place to make a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, somewhere like Australia, not so much. Yeah. Uh, anyway, two oh, supermarkets, really four odd. banks, two airlines, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. We'll mm-hmm. get back to banks in a minute too. Uh, so, you know, there's not enough competition. No. But, but, but it's also worth just pointing out that while we as individuals focus on the price of bread and the price mm-hmm. of milk and the mm-hmm. price of whatever, and those, those are real and, yeah. and that's fair, um, logistics companies can't make enough money because there's only two, there's only two businesses you do. I've said this before. Yeah. I work for a food company. And they would only produce a new product if both Woolies and Coles committed to take it. Yep. Because you couldn't get them to do enough volume. Yep. Which is one of them. Yep. And so it, it, that, that's your opposite. There is, I 100% believe there is zero collusion, zero cartel behavior, zero coordination between the two supermarkets mm. or, the, or the four banks or the two outlets. I agree. I, absolutely 100% I agree with that. Right? Yeah. But if, if a rational business should maximize profits. Yep. Now, if you know you can maximize profits by, by putting prices up and your competitor does the same thing because that's how they maximize profits. Yeah then that's how you end up with this It's sort of game theory. Margins. There's it a is. whole domain of science yep. dedicated to exactly this. Yep. I don't have to talk to you right. or plan things with you, but yes. if I know that you and I are the only one, look, if I put my price up, Scott, right. probably will. And right. if he does, well, I'm certainly going. We don't, there's no collusion there. Correct. Correct. It's, it's, it's game theory. And it's not even necessarily illegal. I, I'm never sure tomorrow. It's just, it's just life. But what yeah. it means is the, the system of competition isn't working well enough. And yep. that's where governments – I'm a big fan, of, as you are, of, of, of for-profit Capitalism, I think it's a fantastic thing because it right. ends up with a really, really, really great allocation of scarce resources. Yep. That's what capitalism does incredibly well. It's great. But it tends to one winner. It tends to monopoly, duopoly, oligopoly. These are just words that mean a few big players or one yeah. big player. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's where that's where it's a problem. That's why you just got to be a little bit careful yes. here. Of you know, I, I don't know these shares. If I did, I'd want them to be successful. Absolutely. Yeah. But at some point, if it's sending logistics companies broke, if it's putting up prices for us, yeah. Competition not working. It's not necessarily that they are doing the illegal. It's just the the, the, the structure of the structurally market. advantage with the scale, yeah. all of that kind yep. of stuff. Yeah, yep. and again, it's these are problems that emerge over a long period of time. And credit, to, I mean, Woolies is a fantastic company. I yep. mean, gosh, if you were to go back to the nineties and buy some shares, you'd be very <laughs> happy with exactly. And so it's, there's no there's no fault there. But yeah, it, oh geez, it's a tough it's a tough. Um, it's a tough problem to solve, but that it fostering is. of competition yes. is really important. You reminded me of something else when you were talking there as well. Um, I forget who said this to me years ago, but in any industry, mm. look at the supply chain. So that is from the raw material, mm-hmm. be it timber or iron ore or something to the end yep. product with yep. an iPhone or a toaster or something like that. There's probably a dozen businesses involved mm. in, in making making all of that happen. Yep. You know, someone makes uh, original equipment manufacturer that makes original parts that sells it to this, so they put it into their stuff, and then they sell it to a wholesaler who does this. And, this. and the point is, is that whenever you typically, when you mm. look at supply chains, there's one gorilla. Yeah, right. In that Congo line, yep. Yep. there's a, so the supermarkets are the perfect example. Mm-hmm. You've got the orchard growers. Hate the supermarkets. Yes. Barely, barely stay afloat. Dairy farmers, wheat farmers. The, yeah. the truck drivers. Yep. Yep. Barely stay afloat. Yep. You yep. know, uh, the 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 shopping centres. They take their pound of flesh. Mm-hmm. But you know, who's making them? And when you pay your dollar for your mm-hmm. banana or whatever it is to pay for a single banana these days, <laughs> that's right. Who's getting most of that dollar? Yeah. And and. When you find that within a supply industry, uh, supply chain, that's a good investment. Yeah. More more often than not, which is slightly going more towards the, the investment <laughs> end as opposed to yeah. fixing society's ills problem. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, that, but that, you're exactly right. But that that is that is the analysis we should be doing and working yeah. out where there are those bottlenecks that can be freed up yes. for our, our broader benefit. 
Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Mate, um, let's talk about Super very quickly because we talked about it last week. And since then, we have seen some detail from the federal government. Mm. Uh, we thought it might be $3 million. Turns out it is. Uh, the very clever, uh, oh, we're not saying we're going to do it. We just I noticed other people talked about $3 million. And that seems like a reasonable number. And the pregnant pause while they wait and see who shouts loudest. If no one shouts, they go, well, that could work. Then. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah. That's my guess of how this has been arrived at. They've decided to put a new tax uh, rate in for superannuation for funds, or sorry, I shouldn't say funds, for members that have more than $3 million in uh-huh. superannuation. So at the moment, superannuities are taxed at 15%. Uh, in retirement, you get the first $1.7 million at 0% uh-huh. and the rest at 15%. And the government's saying, okay, that's all fine. But if you have more than $3 million, you're getting taxed at 30% now. Yep. So, you know, the idea is being, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a tax shelter. It's, we talked about this last week. It's not a tax shelter. It's a retirement planning uh, vehicle. And once 30, you have enough 30% is still pretty good. Sorry? 30% is not bad. No, exactly. We pay 45% if you're, if you're earning top, yeah. top rates. So yes, it's, yeah. And on $3 million, that's, that's pretty reasonable. Yep. Can I suggest to you, though, that in doing what they've done, they have managed to pretty much cock it up as badly as is possible to make a mess of something like this. Yeah, And I just, you know, I said last week, I'm pretty sure I can't remember exactly what we said, but I I'm, I was more than happy with targeting higher funds. You shouldn't be able to earn that much money. Yeah, the starting point's easy. Right. The starting point's easy. It's not a tax haven. By the way, this Correct. is this is impacting yes. we, half we, a we percent of the population. We right? incentivize like, you to save for retirement and to provide yourself with a comfortable retirement above which level you need fewer concessions because you've already got there. Yeah. That's what that's what super's for. Yep. It's, not, it's not to give you caviar in retirement, it's to give you a comfortable retirement. Yep. So that's and that's fine. Yeah. The, the problem is, gotta love them. This is I don't want to be political about it, but Bill Short managed to, to screw up Frankie Credits and Negative Gearing at the 2019 election. Mm-hmm. And again, right issues. Screw it up as in ter- terrible sale of the message. Well, but also yeah. but also bad policy. So you start with you start with the right problem. Yeah. And then you say isn't it a problem that too much, too many frank credits are devaluing the tax base because they're going to zero tax paying people? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay. So let's fix the tax rate. Oh, no, no, no. Let's just cancel frank credit rates. Mm. Oh, okay. Well, that's okay. That's one thing. Fast forward to 2023. Jim Chalmers is not valuing this. This, this tax is not being paid on your earnings from super. It's an arbitrary super balance. Oh, dear. If you're yielding half a percent from a $3 million fund, mm. Or 25% from a $3 million fund. Doesn't matter. You're on the same tax rate. Yeah. If you have $2.9 million and you're, let's, let's put it this way. If you've got $2.9 million and you're generating a 10% return, mm. or you've got $3.01 million generating a 1% return, mm. it's that second fund that's going to pay more tax. Yeah. Which is just madness. Basing it on the balance itself is just silly. It gets worse, mate. Okay. In, in, in Thursday morning's AFR, and to be fair, it's a second hand reported issue uh-huh. but it's the announcement uh, the, the article is about a treasury announcement mm-hmm. not not sources say or the government's planning to about a treasury announcement this will this will blow your mind they want to levy the tax so first they're going to use the balances not not the earnings they want to levy the tax on unrealized gains mm. as well as realized gains. wait a second do i get a refund if i make a loss well you would assume so <laughs> but here's the thing let's say you own a single asset let's say it's a house for the fund uh-huh. Let's say the house goes up 10% in a year. Let's mm-hmm. say it's three, and I know no, no sympathy from you and from most of our listeners on a $3 million house, but just for the sake of the exercise, let's say it's $3 Let's $3 trade problems, house, right? by the way. I know, exactly. <laughs> let's say it's a $3 million house. Yeah. So you've got a $3 million house. That's your entire super fund. Okay. Okay. It goes up 10% in value. 
Hooray. Great problem. Yep. You've made $300,000. Mm-hmm. You haven't got that money. Just your asset value has gone up by that much. The government comes to you and says, so Andrew, great, thank you. Now I'd like you to pay me $45,000 mm. in, um, in income tax, please. Mm. And you say, but I don't have any money in the fund. And I didn't get that much in rental yield. Yeah. And now I've got to find some money that I don't have yeah. based on a liquid asset that I can't liquidate. Yeah. It just it, it blows my mind, mate. Using we, no other part of the tax system uses unrealized gains. It's madness. No other part of the tax system uses the balance of. Imagine yeah. if they said to you, your income tax was based on your personal wealth rather than the actual income. Yeah, it, it's just I, I, I. They've not thought it through. Do you know what? It, do you know what it is? I, it's like the old um, saying, you know, a camel is a horse designed by a yeah, committee. Yes, I love that. So they start with a problem. We're yeah. getting a lot of, you know, we've got to fix this. Yeah. Da, 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 whatever, and then and then someone probably suggests something which is reasonable. Yeah. And then you have a meeting with this interest group and then with that interest group and then with that one. And then it just kind of comes out and it's completely... So again, I think we both said last week, it's not an unreasonable thing to just limit the... the, You know, remember what super's for and to Mm -hmm. limit some of the exploitation. Um, But then they've gone about it in this insane way. Mm -hmm. It's a free kick to the opposition, frankly. Mm. So... Well, that's that's the other thing. I just You think they're solving the right problem... They've literally just given. I mean, they've yeah. they've, they've they've given the opposition a class war. Now, again, yeah. you can have your view about whether it's reasonable or not. You can have your view about who should win or who will win or what. Sure, it's not. It, if you're literally the government, you've said, "Hey, I know I've got a problem. I can I can communicate this problem, and then I can apply a reasonable amount of." So I've spent the morning on Twitter, mm. right? Instead of saying, "Hey, great policy," which I've said before separately, "Great policy," glad doing something about it. Mm-hmm. That makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Now we're talking about this ridiculous use of the balance, the ridiculous idea of taxing unrealized gains, mm. the fact that it only kicks in at $3 million rather than two point. It, it's, it's not indexed. It's just, no, it's not, that's the other thing, it's not indexed, yeah. right? It's just mad. And you just mm. kind of think, guys, you've literally just passed the opposition mm. four angles of attack when you <laughs> yeah. could have just said, oh, hey, dear. guess what? Oh, dear. If you earn more than X dollars a year from mm. your superannuation in cash earnings, yeah. including capital gains that are actually realized, yeah. you need to pay 30%. Yep. Job done. Everyone's like, oh, Keep yeah, it simple. that makes sense. Keep it simple. Yeah. I just, it, it, again, they've, developed, they've worked out the right problem. Yeah. But like 2019, you just wonder, which, I don't think there's anyone inside the tent who's actually got the experience to help them through. I honestly don't think. It's I think worry. There's a lot mm. of academic thought and a lot of mm. policy idea. Yeah. But the implementation, if they just said, not, not necessarily to me, but hey, Jim, mm. if you're listening, give me a call. Mm-hmm. Hey, I want to do this, Scott. How should yeah. I best implement it? What about yeah. this? I would have said, Jim, cool idea. How about a couple of tweaks? A, fairer. Yeah. B, more reasonable. C, easier. Not, easier right? to administer. Just another, another tax bracket, another layer of bureaucracy. The accountants have just gone, fantastic. But they are the happiest people in the world. Mate, right? that is brilliant. All right. Let's, <laughs> let's move on, mate. Uh, a couple of quick things as we as we go to finish it. A couple. Let's get back to business because that's okay. what you're for. Um, saw some fan- fascinating, fascinating numbers during the week. About Macquarie, Macquarie Bank. Oh, yeah. These guys have- The investment bank. Well, in theory, up until mm-hmm. now, right? Mm-hmm. Well, not up until now, that's not true. They've been doing it for a while. They have phenomenally grown their home loan book. So you think about, we talk about the big four banks. We even talk about sometimes the, the regionals. We talk about you know, Bank of Queensland yep. or uh, Benio Adelaide Bank or any of these guys. And you talk about, okay, what, what are they doing with their, um, uh, you know, with their home loans? Who's growing and who's not? Mm. Some of the numbers in the AFR during the week, Macquarie, the, the AFR article basically says, um, here's the headline, Tiny Macquarie is now the fifth big bank. And the article during the week talked about the growth that Macquarie is getting in its loan book. They are growing Home their- Home loan book. Home loan book. They are growing this at multiples. 
absolute multiples of their competitors. So the, the kind of, you know, if you think about what's driving, and by the way, I've talked about getting a better rate a million times. Yep. Let me just let me just share this with you. Over the past year, ANZ's grown its owner occupying owner occupied home loans. So mm-hmm. people buying their own homes. ANZ growth, four percent. Westpac five, CBA six, NAB ten. Really impressive. Macquarie, twenty three percent. Macquarie is literally growing at five times the rate of ANZ. Now, for much lower a smaller base, for much lower base. Yep. Uh, by, so, by way of example, Macquarie's loan book is sixty odd. I've just read it up sixty billion dollars. ANZ's is one hundred and eighty billion. So yep. Macquarie's literally a third of the size. Sorry, Macquarie's got sixty in owner occupied. I think yes. forty five in investor as well, something yep. like that. Yep. But yep, similar proportion. But the owner occupying uh, for for ANZ is only one hundred eighty. So yes. so Macquarie, yeah. if, you know, if you grow up twenty three percent for a few years in a row, um, now why, why does it matter? Firstly, I think for all of the talk about the oligopoly amongst the big four, and it is. Yes. Yep. I, we were talking before about scale and size and incumbency being a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic position. Mm. Great incumbency is its own defense. At some point, it trips over, become, goes from being a wonderful defensive characteristic to a massive millstone around your neck. Yep. And why? Because these guys have got margins to maintain. Yep. If CBA or ANZ to say to their shareholders next week, so we've decided to make 30% less profit because we're going to drop our margins, mm. the shareholders would go bananas, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely bananas. So what do they do? They, they try and keep their rates as high as possible. Mm-hmm. If you do that, what, what happens? Well, we've just talked about it. Macquarie picks up five times, goes twice as fast as NAB, five times as fast as ANZ, four times as fast as Westpac, three and a half times the rate of CBA because it's just simply said, but if, as Jeff we'll, Bezos we'll would say, well, Jeff Bezos would say, your margin is my opportunity. Right. Now, if, you're, if you're Macquarie, you're saying, well, we don't need to necessarily be as profitable per dollar of loans as you guys. Mm. I can, I, I can, I can still a decent all, return on capital. It's right? all new money, right? I yeah. can do very nicely. Thank you very much. They're borrowing someone else's money to do it, by the yep. way. So it's not their money at all. So they say, well, I'll take depositors funds or wholesale funds. Yeah, I'll lend it out. Mm-hmm. I'll make a slightly lower margin because I don't care. It's all, it's all new money to me. Yeah, you guys have got a problem. If you're making four percent, I'm making two percent. Yeah, I'm stoked. Yeah, you're pretty unhappy because you got to try and come and meet me. And this is the, you know, so so firstly, business is your margin is my opportunity. I will say the other- It's why they also, it reminds me of the other one, which is always beware the irrational competitor. Yes. So, so we'll get to what Macquarie's doing in a moment, but yep. maybe, they're, maybe they're coming in and they're just doing, writing ridiculous loans or whatever. That's and great. you can look at them as a competitor and go, that's madness. That's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You're still going to be impacted by that mm-hmm. in, the, in the short run. It doesn't matter whether what yep. they're doing makes any sense or yeah, not. So, right. so, but yes, just another, uh, yeah. Exactly. No, so it was exactly the point I was going to make, which is one of, one of my lines for- um, for business is you're only as profitable as your least rational competitor yes. allows you to be. And yep. it's exactly that. Yep. So all of a sudden, these, these guys, it, I'm sure, I mean, by the way, this is not going to be news to the big banks. Yep. It's not news to us. They would know exactly what's going on. Yep. Um, the, the market grew at 18%, I want to say, uh, last year. <sighs> and Macquarie picked God. up, I think it was about a quarter of that growth, if I'm, wow. if I'm right. Now, again, yeah. remember, when they pick up a quarter of the growth, yeah. but if I just eyeball these, these loan book numbers now, they're probably... Five percent of the total loan yep. books. You're a five percent player, yep. but you're getting twenty five percent of the growth. Yep. That, that that that's a that's a pretty impressive and compelling story. If you are Macquarie, yes. now if they're making bad loans, to your point, or your your hypothetical, yep. or they're not they're not enough margin there, and they're going to get squeezed at some point, yep. or like some of the non bank, remember Aussie and Wizard back in the I day, do. they got themselves in trouble because they were taking advantage of short term money markets and making yep. long term loans. Yep. Which the GFC bought. So, you know, there's, there's areas where Macquarie. What could possibly might, go wrong? Yeah. Exactly. Macquarie might bring themselves undone, but if they don't, this is one of those stories where 
for all of the talk about you know neo banks or digital currencies or whatever yeah. else might bring the banks undone, it might just be a really hungry competitor, competitor. who's yeah. just said, actually, we're going to do exactly what you're doing, but do it better. Now, last point, what does Macquarie not have the other ones have? Branches. Yeah, and enormous right. cost space, right? Yep. So yep. The Macquarie's biggest opportunity is they don't have the legacy costs. Mm-hmm. Now, I feel a bit sorry for the banks. They've got to front a parliamentary committee next week mm. and explain to the pollies who, frankly, are all about the votes, yep. why they're closing regional branches and rural yeah. branches. Now, I feel sorry for people in those regions and rural areas who want those branches because it's a lifeline, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're CBA and you're maintaining an unprofitable branch out the back of Mudgee somewhere mm. and you're saying, well, because I'm losing money here. It's mm. costing me money to keep this open. Macquarie on one hand, uh, the online only banks, uh, yep. others, uh, digital currencies potentially. Yep. These are all potential threats. And, and there's a whole lot of political pressure to say you have to keep that branch open. Yep. You can't divert that cost saving into lower loan rates mm-hmm. at the same margins. Yeah, it's you know As I said, incumbency is a great advantage. It can very quickly become a millstone. And if it does, yep. you want to be really careful of the shifting sands. Oh, 100%. So to Macquarie's defense, I've, as I said, I've been very limited in my research this week, but I did read <laughs> in that article mm. that their strategy has been to target very high quality customers. Yes, yes. So this is even worse for the banks because it's not <laughs> exactly. like that. Yes. If they were, yes. my, my initial cynical reaction was, oh, well, anyone can grow their loan book at that mm-hmm. much if you just give away free money at, you know, yep. no margin or whatever. But yep. apparently very high quality borrowers don't have too much debt, mm-hmm. high income. Mm-hmm. They can tap into that with all of their institutional investing network. Yep. It's like, wow. So you're taking out a lot of, you, you, you're diverting a lot of uh, capital your way and it's the better capital yeah. as well. So, More likely to pay off the loan. They're less likely to go into default. Yeah. So you don't have to charge as much. You're not making up for as many losses. In and theory, this is that, in what we were talking about before. This is competition doing its yep. thing, yep. you know? And it's just, it's taken, not this has not been engineered. It's just guys at Macquarie <laughs> finally said, maybe we should do. And it's easier yep. for them too, yep. because brand counts for a lot. Yes. This is always the problem with the small neo banks, mm-hmm. is it seems it's crazy, right? Because they've got all the same protections, yeah. consumer protections. Yeah. Um, so you're very unlikely to be done over. In fact, you owe them money. Yeah. <laughs> if, yeah, if, right. if you've right. taken a home loan, so if they go out of business, great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? But yeah. Yeah. at the same time, you ask 10 Australians, mm-hmm. I reckon yes, that at right. least six or seven would have an opinion that they're, it's riskier. Yep. The CBA are bastards, but they're trustworthy. They're our bastards. They're yeah. our <laughs> bastards. They've been around for a while. I, you know, yeah. Nothing's going to go wrong yeah. with CBA. Yeah. Yeah. So so what Macquarie has mm. is they've, they've got a very well-known brand, a, a yeah. sign of strength, uh, the rest of it. Yeah. I remember, I'm old enough to uh, <laughs> have started in this game when online stockbroking first became a thing right. in Australia. And it was Comsec. And I remember the um, managing director at the time mm. saying, it's not that we've got better tech. It's not that we've got the cheapest prices. It's we've got that logo. And yeah, what, right. this will sound so bizarre to anyone under the age <laughs> of 30. Yeah. But when you were like online banking was yes. seen as- Yes, yes. Is, is all my money going to disappear? Yep. Online stockbroking, like yep. what's, you know, it's not, it's crazy. It feels really, really high we'll risk. Yeah, exactly. And so as that S curve was taking off, mm. Comsec to this day, 20 odd years later, yep. remain the dominant player because they just sucked it all and they mm. sucked it because of that brand. Yep. And that's probably what makes this a bit more interesting with Macquarie, I mm. think, because mm. I think a lot of people would probably, oh, I'd never considered them before. Right. Oh, I didn't know they did. Oh, Macquarie's doing it. Yep. So 
yeah, hope, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully consumers win out of all of this. Well, so this is the thing, right? Because the, the article talks about there's just massive, massive savings. Some of the quarry rates are meaningfully less. And yeah. so just quick, a quick plug, if you've got a home loan, um, some banks are offering up to one percentage point to stay with them if you complain, right? So if you go to them and say, hey, I want a better rate. And now, by the way, I've been- That so is ha- the biggest no-brainer phone call you will ever make in Literally. your life. So yeah. jump, if you're on Twitter again, look for the hashtag, get a better rate. I've been banging on that one for months on and off. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, had, again, same. Yeah. I've had someone say, I, I, I want to say 1.6%, which sounds ridiculously large. And it may not be quite that big, mm. but there are some really massive savings some of our followers have reported. So yeah. um, ch- check that out because it's, yeah, yeah. for God's sake, call your bank. If you don't, you don't, literally, to your point, the, the best hourly rate you will ever earn in your entire yeah. life is the call with your bank that takes 15 minutes when they say, oh yeah, we can give you half percent off. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. 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 Yes, please. Yes, please. That'd be great. Thank okay, you very much. Thank you. Now, if you can't get it, change banks. But Don't ask. At the very, very least. Right? Yeah. They're not going to wing you. Yeah. Make sure you give them a call. Yeah. Which, um, which is a hell of a thing. Yeah. Do it. Mate, um, just, to, just to finish off, just for a bit of fun. Uh, Jerry Harvey's a shy flower, isn't he? Have you, <laughs> have you seen? Have what do you say now? <laughs> What did he so, say? Well, Jerry, Jerry's um, he, look. He's not backwards or coming forwards. No. He was he was quoted in the uh, the Chanticleer. That's Chanticleer. It sounds very French. I've always said Chanticleer. Have you? I believe it's Chanticleer. It but makes I, so much. More, I'm embarrassed. I'm a bit that I shouldn't I, have blurted that out. I, 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 no, I could be. I could be the the so and so who's uh, making stuff up. I've never heard anyone pronounce it before. Okay. I believe I believe it's Chanticleer. Chant- anyway, it makes more sense. Yes. yes. In the in the in the AFR. Um. So so they interviewed God, Jerry I'm Harvey. It's ridiculous. Here's, here's Jerry's here's Jerry's quote quote. My advice to you is sell your house, sell your boat, sell your car, put the lot into Harvey Norman shares, and then ring me in three or four years and you won't need to be a journalist anymore. End quote. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which I just love about There's a couple of things that kind of rub me the wrong way about that. <laughs> Go on. One, it's sort of like, why would you want to be a journalist for? Do you know, it's kind yeah, of like, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's a little bit. And also, sell your boat. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to sell yours? Well, well, I'm surprised he didn't offer, you know, suggest to sell my my <laughs> racing stuff. Yeah, you know, that's right. You know, the, the villa ponies. in France. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks, thanks, Jerry. Great advice. <laughs> now, I, now I see what I should do. <laughs> it is interesting, though, mate, because and so I, I'm curious to your thoughts on this. Just as we finish up. Um, we talk about property companies having net tangible assets mm-hmm. per share. Yep. And sort of, you know, the, the underlying value of the company. So, so you take all of the assets, yes. sell them yes. on market. Yes. Pay assuming off your you debts. get what the balance sheet described, and pay off all your debts. Yep. And that's your net tangible asset. Divide it by the number of shares if you want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sorry. Just now, I should say I own shares, right? So I'm, okay. I'm incontrovertibly biased here. The group's net tangible assets per share. So the value of everything they own, three dollars ninety. Uh huh. The share price, three dollars seventy. So that's the property they own all the property right. for their shops. Which, so you, which is not that common actually these correct. days. Yeah. Now so that, it's not common. That's why it's important because yeah. Harvey Norman could in theory sell every single store property, real yeah. estate, bank all that money, give it all back to shareholders. Yep. And it would still have the Harvey Norman business. Yeah. And so you think, well, hang on, uh, Greg Gravel, you should compare that to Maya, right? Maya mm. owns I think I don't think it owns a it's um it's Melbourne and Sydney stores anymore. In any case, I have a heap of, heap of property. Yeah. So you say, what's Harvey Norman worth? Most people would say, oh, on a PE basis, it's X. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter if it owns a property or not because if you're Maya, yeah. So Maya's got a PE of ten. Harvey's got a PE of ten. Mm-hmm. They're both the same businesses. One of them has a whole lot of leases, obligations, and debts to yep. landlords. Yeah. The other one owns more property than the shares are actually worth. Yeah. What what do you what do you how do you take 
what, what do you what do you think when you see those sort of numbers? How do you how do you take a business's assets in their consideration yep. at the same time as you're looking at their earnings potential now and in the future. Yeah. The first thing to do is to, when you see that, because you will see that when you start looking around and don't just assume the market is blind to it, right? <laughs> like it's, it's, it's the easiest go-to in the world. The mm. market's an idiot. Oh, look at that. It's the deal of the century. Mm. Now it might be, I don't want to suggest it's not, but there are, there, are, there are layers to this. The first is that I'd challenge Jerry to do that. <laughs> like you go and liquidate all your properties yeah. you yeah. won't be able to sell them sure. you know that much stock coming onto the market you know uh the price that the auditors have put it on the balance sheet is that really what you're going to get etc yep. etc so and then and then what do you do with what are you going to do with all the capital mm. that's the real point of it so the reason that so many of the retailers flogged off their property was because the um, business school graduates said mm. this is lazy capital. <laughs> right, I right. think that was the term. Right. Yeah, lazy totally. capital. Yes. Yeah, lazy balance sheet. Exactly. Yep. It's all yep. it's all tied up there. And okay, you don't have to pay rent. You've got mm. security mm. with all that kind of stuff. But you realize if you sold this and leased it back, mm -hmm. you've now got tens of millions of dollars that you can invest over here and maybe get a 30% return. You made the point before, REITs might get a 6 7% yield, something mm -hmm. like that. It's like, well, no, 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 you, you, can, you can do much better. So actually... The smarter, so this is the, this is the spectrum I would consider it on yep. very basically, very high level. The more efficient use of your capital to get the best return possible in mm. theory, mm. sell and lease back, mm. assuming you know how to invest. And we should say, by the way, so Bunnings did that with the Bunnings Warehouse Property Trust, BWP, BWP. Trust is called now. Yep. Um, they basically took all that. Now they had a, a, a West Farmers had a, a holding unit. They may still, I think that's probably sold down. Yeah, recommended that the back same. in the day for dividend investors. Nice. Yeah. Woolies spun out shopping centers Australasia. Yes. Now called Region or something, some stupid name. Yeah. Um, same thing, because they didn't want the, the, the property in the balance sheet. They gave them the shares. Here's some, here's some shares in this new thing. Yeah. We've now got less assets on our balance sheet, but still the same earnings. Therefore, a return on our assets is much, much better than yep. it used to be. Well, the other side of the spectrum, mm. though, is that it you have an asset. Yep. You're guaranteed no one's going to raise the rent on you. And then over time, presumably that land value increases as well, right. uh, which is fine. So it's a more conservative end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. But to your point, what is the return you're going to get? Could you get a better return? I guess I'm just asking broadly if we, I mean, I, I've been, I've been guilty of this before, right? If I look yeah. at two retailers and say they're both got a P of 10. Yeah. I guess I'm. You know, I guess it's a question of what's Harvey Norman actually worth, and how do you, as an investor, yeah. look at the balance sheet and then add or subtract from a PE yeah. on that basis? Because it's yeah. not, you know. I mean, some people would say rightly, well, your profits lower because you're paying leases. Yeah. So the PE is allowing for that. Yeah. Or your profits higher because you're not paying leases, but you're yep. more on the books. Your PE is allowing for that. Yeah. But I still look at something, and let's take away from Harvey because again, I own shares. If you look at uh, a Meyer, for mm -hmm. example, and then compare it with another business, let's say David Jones owns it property, doesn't, but let's say it did. Yeah. If I'd done the same PE, I think it's almost axiomatic that David Jones would be a much, much better buy because you're getting all of the, you're getting the yeah. same model of earnings and you're owning all this property. Yeah. I, I, and I just, as long I'm, as it's the, the, the key thing there is the growth. Right. So the, the way that this is going to be hard to do verbally, <laughs> <Go on>. <laughs> there's another metric that, that's worth Googling. It's called return on equity. Yes. So what's the what's profit as a percent of my net assets? Yep. 
it, generally speaking, all else being equal, that's whatever your rate of return on equity is going to be is going to set the pace of growth for earnings. Mm -hmm. So they might both be at a similar multiple of the share price is the same multiple of earnings. Mm. But if one's growing at 6 or 7% because the property portfolio is just not growing that fast, and the other's growing at 30% mm. because they're just recycling the capital. And true, true. That's the, that's the disconnect. Yes, absolutely. But there are risks with doing yeah. that. So you've, that, that, that to me, it's like if you want to be ultra conservative, I think that's a really great flaw to have under your under your uh, share price. Yeah, yeah. Because at a point, it just gets ridiculous, but, right? But I wonder if the market actually. I guess what I'm wondering is, does the market even realize that? Because I don't. I don't. If if you allow, yeah. if you if you sold yeah. off all of the, again, you can't do it, right? Yeah. I, it's only if you sold it off. I just think if you took Harvey Norman, I would I would wager. That if Harmony existed as it did today with zero property, yep. I reckon the share price would be maybe 15%. Yeah. Less. Yeah. You know, like I, I, it, yeah. it, doesn't, it just doesn't strike me that the market that says Harvey Norman's worth 10 times earnings, where the number is, yep. um, and all this all this property. Yeah. If you took the property away, I'm not sure the market would go, oh, it's obviously worth zero then. Yeah. And if it's not, yeah. then that $3.90 worth of property per share. Yeah. Is being is being is being kind of you know rolled into the share price at a much much lower price and it's yeah, it's, it's one of those conundrums of what you know what should it be worth I, yeah. I I would I would suggest every company should be worth a PE plus assets or or something and again I'm not making the case for Harvey yeah, Norman yeah, specifically yeah, yeah, yeah. the business could suck it could decline as you say maybe it's maybe it's this price because people are like well it's not even worth the assets because yeah. actually it goes broke and the properties are then untenanted and then yeah. you know and that's a really good case I've made the case internally that. We shouldn't give it full value because Harvey Norman's its own tenant. And yeah. so if the business goes broke, is the, is the land really worth that? Yeah, much? who's going to fill not. it if Jerry Harvey goes out of business? Some yeah. will, but not yeah. 100 sites across the country all of a sudden. Maybe so. not at the same rent. And, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but just, I just think it's just, it's just a fascinating... Th you know, we talk about markets being efficient. Yeah. And I just think if you, if you put two businesses together, even with the same growth characteristics to your point, yeah. I bet you that the business that had entirely... you know, It's, it's entire market cap in property value. Yeah. And then an operating business on top of that, which is growing... You know, okay, not yeah, great, but okay. yeah. And you kind of go, was that worth something more than the property value? I, I think you'd all, always say yes, except I, I don't know. And I think that's probably Jerry's point. It was like, no, they're not, you're not giving any value at all yeah. for the property or any value for the business or both. But yeah, I, I, yeah it's, 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 it's just weird. It is, it, it is interesting. Um, there's a company in my uh, uh, circle called Baylador oh, yeah. Technology. Yeah, I know about it. Oh, yeah. And there's a really nice, interesting company. Anyway, I don't, whatever, I own shares. Um, mm. They they basically do early stage investing in tech companies, but they're trading at a big discount to their NTA. Right. Uh, but they're dealing with highly illiquid early stage companies. Yeah. So yeah. is that in? They, yeah. I think they're very conservative in how they, but anyway, you come across this stuff mm. all the time. And mm. I think you, you're doing the right thing, which is say, well, why is that? Mm. And, and what does that mean? By the way, I always find, I love watching companies tap dance when they do a, a, a divestment or a split. Yeah. Because I remember when Woolies, when everyone was doing it, it's kind of like, you, on one hand, you've got a, <laughs> on one hand, the pitch is, hey, look, you're going to get these shares. And They're so right. Unit. They're Isn't so wonderful. Yeah. We don't, we don't, but we don't want them. Well, <laughs> so I should want them. Oh yeah, you should want them. Yeah. But I, it's like when BHP spun oh, off. That was my favorite recent one, BHP and Woodside. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like, oh, yeah. Well, it'd be great for you. It's just not, it's not good. We good can't wait to get rid of these assets, but you should really not love them. Not a good fit for us, but wait till it's, <laughs> uh, you know, wait till someone comes in there and runs Correct. that swimmingly. Well, it's like, it's, it's just interesting how that is phrased because they have yeah. to walk a very fine line. Because let's be clear, if BHP thought those oil assets were worth so much, they would have bought Woodside outright. Of course they would. And rolled would've. Woodside into BHP. Why did you do that? Because you thought- Yes. And again, 
I reckon BHP's done a great job. Yeah. They found they found a buyer. Woodside wanted more oil and gas. It's like, oh, great, because we want to get rid of these. There you go. Fantastic, guys. Yeah. If someone comes to you and says, can I please offer you more than these things are worth, you absolutely want to take the money take every it. single time. Take it. Take it. Yeah. Always, all whether it's those kinds of things or any kind of transaction, yeah. always ask what's in it for the other person. Correct. Right? Correct. It's like, uh, like buying from private equity. Same, private equity flight, same thing. Yep. When my comes on the market, look at this great new business you get to buy shares of. Yeah. But aren't you selling? Why don't you keep it? Then? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, on that note, I would normally say, can you, will you come back on Sunday? But given I'm in your house rather than the other way around, will you let me stay here until Sunday? Uh, yeah, man. I have so many boxes to unpack. <laughs> the oven needs a clean. Uh, so I've got to go. Got to go. <laughs> we may be back on Sunday. For stand by. We will do our level best if I can get through the box in Andrew's place to bring you a very special on location mailbag episode. I'm going to sleep in Andrew's place for the next two days. And on Sunday morning, we will bring you another very special Motley Fool Money mailbag. Until then, full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under Financial Services Licence 400691.